good afternoon, evening, or morning. This is your old Uncle Mosh with Raiders Fan Radio, and you are in for a treat. Sit back and get ready to listen to one of the most insanely knowledgeable people you will ever meet talk about our beloved Raiders. Another episode coming your way of Silver and Black Flashback by Rich Schmelter, the author of the Raiders Encyclopedia. As always, thank you so much, Uncle Mosh, for that awesome intro to Silver and Black Flashback. And I hope to keep on earning that praise you give me. And never to be left out is my man Murph, the host of the greatest Raiders podcast out there. Thanks so much, my friend, for the great opportunity you give me to be a part of Raiders Fan Radio, as well as having the chance to be a part of a network that helps out so many through the One Nation Foundation that benefits Raiders-related charities. Also, Murph, I cannot thank you enough for saying such awesome things about my new book, Championship Diary, about our Raiders Super Bowl 18 victory. And if you get a chance, Raider Nation, please check it out on Amazon or go to the link provided on Murph's show. And to Murph's co-hosts, Swag Jeff and Michelle, and all of the silver and black faithful listening around the world, I am proud as hell to bring you stories of the people and moments that helped make our Raiders history so glorious. And with all that being said, why not get on with this? Our time together once again on another episode of Silver and Black Flashback. With Thanksgiving Day and the holiday season upon us, when visiting friends and relatives, food is brought as an offering of thanks for an invitation. So on this kickoff to the holiday season, I decided to bring a few items to the Feast of Raiders Knowledge. So, whether you are driving off to a family gathering while listening to the show, or working off those extra pounds added on from a huge consumption of calories... Let's dive into a few wild times on the field with our silver and black badasses on this Thanksgiving Day episode. Lyle Elzado was always meant to be a Raider. It took him 11 years to get his 6-foot, 3-inch, 255-pound, muscle-bound, rage-filled frame into a silver and black uniform, and he wasted no time living up to the outlaw image presented by our badass Raiders. So, Lyle did not play for fun but rather played to embarrass his opponents. He wanted them to lose sleep the night before a game just thinking about facing him. His goal was to use any advantage he had to achieve those goals, whether it was pure brute strength or by way of steroids, intimidation, and even a helmet toss. What, one might ask about the last one on that list? Yes, Raider Nation, a helmet toss. And not in a competitive way like, hey, let's see how far we can toss a football helmet. But more on that later. Lyle was also a master at making awesome threats. I will kill you in the parking lot in front of your family. I will kill you in everything you love. And oh yeah, I will rip your head off and spit down your neck. Ah yes, Raider Nation. With the holiday season upon us, wouldn't those sayings make great verses and Christmas cards? Now that's just a joke here, folks. Remember, tis the season to be jolly. So moving on, truly, there are many, and I mean many, interesting stories about Wild Lyle. But on this, the 65th episode of Silver and Black Flashback, we are going back to Saturday afternoon, January 15th, 1983, for one of them. On a partly cloudy, 79-degree day in Los Angeles, with 90,688 seats 
filled inside the L.A. Memorial Coliseum, the Raiders hosted their second playoff game of the postseason. The massive crowd set a then-home attendance record for the Raiders. Finishing with a near-perfect 8-1 record in the strike-shortened season of 1982, it earned them home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. One week earlier, the Raiders disposed of the Cleveland Browns 27-10 in the first round of the playoffs and were then ready to take one more step toward a Super Bowl trip by facing the New York Jets. The New York Jets came into this game with a 7-3 record and completely dominated the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals 44-17 in their first round matchup. The Jets struck first on a Richard Todd to Wesley Walker 20-yard pass with four minutes to go in the first quarter. And with three minutes to go before halftime, they extended their lead to 10-0 on a 30-yard field goal from Pat Leahy. Our Raiders then came back strong in the third quarter when rookie sensation Marcus Allen ran a sweep to the right side and scored on a four-yard run to cap off a 12-play, 77-yard drive. And with Chris Barr's extra point, Los Angeles was only trailing by three points with eight minutes left in the quarter. On the Jets' next possession, they got to midfield before Richard Todd was sacked on consecutive downs, first by Ted Hendricks, and then Alzado, Howie Long, and Reuben Vaughn ganged up to share a sack. A partially blocked punt on fourth down by Lester Hayes was recovered by Jack Squarick, and the Raiders started this drive on their own 40 with two minutes and 48 seconds left in the third quarter. The Raider offense then made quick work of the New York defense as the Silver and Black went 60 yards on just three plays with the end result being a 35-yard touchdown pass from Jim Plunkett to Malcolm Barnwell that gave the Raiders their first lead of the game with one minute and 14 seconds left in the third quarter. Chris Barr's extra point then gave L.A. a 14-10 advantage. And then Raider Nation, it was now time for Wild Lyle to showcase his fury. On the first play of this New York possession, Freeman McNeil plowed his 5-foot-11-inch, 216-pound frame into the middle for a gain of two yards before Matt Millen stopped him. While the teams were getting ready to head back to their huddles, Elzado grabbed and then tore off the helmet of offensive lineman Chris Ward. Well now, what to do with the helmet after that? Lyle apparently did not want a New York Jets helmet as a souvenir, so he returned it to Ward by throwing it as hard and fast as he could in the direction of Ward's head. Teammate Rod Martin quickly stepped in between Lyle and Ward, but Lyle brushed Martin off and threw a right-handed punch in the direction of Ward's head. Martin was then able to semi-control Wild Lyle long enough before any additional problems happened. Lyle went back to the sideline, still very mad, chugged down a cup of water, slammed the cup down on the ground, and then fellow defensive lineman Archie Reese came over to continue to calm him down. Also, popular actor James Garner, Hollywood's top Raiders fan, came rushing over to quickly pat Alzado on the back, and then he got the hell out of the way of the massive inferno in shoulder pads. Excellent idea, Mr. Garner. Chris Ward claimed that Alzado was mad because he tried to drive him over the pile-up but rumors were that he also went after Alzado's groin area. Whatever the reason for the action, Alzado was only hit with a 15-yard personal foul penalty, and he was not ejected from the game because, well, there was no rule that said you could not throw a helmet at someone. It might not have been a nice thing to do, but no rule existed against it, at least up until that time. The game went on 
and unfortunately, our Raiders lost it 17-14. to When interviewed later about the incident, Alzado said Chris Ward had a big mouth, and if he had the chance, he would have shoved his helmet down his throat. Yes, another classic Lyle threat, but one can truly believe he might have tried to attempt that one. Yes, he really did dislike Chris Ward. Surprisingly, due to the violent nature of football, since the dawn of players wearing helmets on the professional level, no rule was in place that said a helmet could not be thrown at another person. Well, all that changed, officially, due to this Saturday in January of 1983, and for that reason, the Alzado rule was written into the NFL rulebook the following year. In Rule 12, Section 2, Article 15, it states that no player shall grasp and control, twist, turn, push, or pull the face mask or helmet opening of an opponent in any direction. If a player grasps an opponent's face mask or helmet opening, he must immediately release it. If he does not immediately release it and controls his opponent, it is a foul. And it's a penalty for twisting, turning, pushing, pulling, or controlling the mask or helmet opening. Loss of 15 yards. The player may be disqualified if the action is flagrant. If the foul is by the defense, it is also an automatic first down. There will definitely be more great stories from the Raiders-Jets rivalry and about Lyle Alzado. But for now, let's go back to November 1st, 1970 in a classic, infamous moment against another hated rival, the Kansas City Chiefs. It is no secret that the history of our Raiders is filled with badass outlaws. But the one that truly got the tradition started was a 6-foot-8-inch, 275-pound mountain of flesh named Ben Davidson, a defensive end for the Oakland Raiders from 1964 through 1971. Sporting his signature handlebar mustache, Davidson was one of the league's biggest players, and he used that size to just devour anyone on the other side of the ball. There was absolutely no finesse to his style, just a seek-and-destroy mentality, and he did it very well. The Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs waged some of the all-time greatest rivalry games during the 1960s. During the latter part of that decade, both teams were usually battling for a division or league crown against each other. In 1970, the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs and the Raiders were once again locked in a fierce competition for a divisional crown. The Denver Broncos were on top of the AFC Western Division with a 4-2 record followed by the 3-2-1 Raiders and the 3-3 Chiefs. The loser of their upcoming game on Sunday, November 1, 1970, would without a doubt be in trouble attempting to go after a divisional crown. The Raiders did have serious momentum going into the Kansas City game by riding a three-game winning streak at the time. On a clear, crisp, 52-degree afternoon in Kansas City, these two heated rivals squared off with playoff survival mode on high. With 51,334 rooting their team on, the Chiefs broke a scoreless tie in the second quarter on a Wendell Hayes four-yard touchdown run. A pair of short-yardage touchdown passes from Darrell Amonica in the second and third quarters to Raymond Chester allowed the Raiders to take a 14-7 lead. Jan Stenerud added a 33-yard field goal for Kansas City to take the game into the fourth quarter with Oakland clinging to a 14-10 advantage. With 5 minutes and 14 seconds left in the game, quarterback Len Dawson found a wide-open Otis Taylor in the end zone from 13 yards out, 
And with Stenerud's extra point kick, the Chiefs were up 17-14. The Kansas City defense made quick work of the Oakland offense. And after three plays, the Raiders had to punt the ball back to Kansas City with four minutes and 14 seconds left. Up to this time, the officials, led by Bob Finley, were kept very busy, calling 11 penalties in the first half alone, but nothing equaled what happened in the closing minute. With one minute and eight seconds left in the game, quarterback Len Dawson shocked everybody by running a bootleg around the right end for a first down at the Oakland 29. This all but seemed to seal the victory for the Chiefs. But as he was still on the ground, Dawson was speared in the back by Ben Davidson, who dove into Dawson with his helmet at full running speed. This was a specialty of Davidson's, to hit runners that fell to the ground untouched and made no attempt to advance the ball. That move earned Davidson a reputation as a cheap shot artist, but he embraced that villain image. However, after the game, Davidson did claim that it might not have been the best thing to do, but he honestly did not know if Dawson was touched down or not. Right after the spearing happened, Chiefs receiver Otis Taylor was very mad, and he attacked Davidson, wrestling him to the ground. A bench-clearing brawl quickly began, and when order was finally restored, Otis Taylor was ejected from the game, but Davidson was allowed to remain in the game. The officials marked off a 15-yard penalty for the unsportsmanlike infraction, giving the Chiefs the ball on the Oakland 14. It was then that Oakland's middle linebacker, Dan Connors, began arguing with the officials, claiming that the Chiefs should also be penalized 15 yards because Taylor was ejected. This brought up a discussion between the officials, and after a long delay, the officials decided Connors was right. After marking off the penalty against the Chiefs, The ball was placed down at the Oakland 49, and instead of the Chiefs having a first down deep in Oakland territory, they were now faced with a third and 11. Ed Podolak ran for three yards, and the Chiefs had to punt the ball back with 53 seconds left. Four LaMonica pass completions took the Raiders from their own 20 to the Kansas City 41 with three seconds left. George Blanda then booted a 48-yard field goal to tie the game at 17-17. This was before overtime in regular season games, so that is how it went into the record books. The Raiders went on to post an 8-4-2 record, and they won the AFC Western Division title. But the Chiefs finished at 7-5-2 and were out of the playoffs. In 1976, the Ben Davidson rule was added to the NFL rulebook. It reads in Rule 12, Section 2, Article 6, that it is illegal to launch into a player by leaving one or both feet prior to contact to spring forward and upward into his opponent and use any part of his helmet to initiate forcible contact against any part of his opponent's body. It did not apply to contact against a runner unless the runner is still considered to be a defenseless player. The complete biographies of both Lyle Alzado and Ben Davidson will be told on future episodes of the show. But for now, our time together has once again come to an end. And I so hope, like I always do, that you enjoyed this episode. All right, my silver and black faithful, I love and thank you all for listening. What an awesome family we have. And I want to wish each and every one of you a very happy Thanksgiving and a joyous kickoff to the holiday season. And now, all together, loud and proud, let's bring this one home.
And how do we do it? With four simple words. So ready. One, two, three. Let me hear it, Matt, Bruce, and Bamba, and everyone else. Here we go. Love you, Raider Nation. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.